0: Welcome to the Global Franchise Podcast, providing you unbeatable insight into some of the world's most ubiquitous franchise brands. I'm Kieran McClune, Deputy Editor for Global Franchise Magazine. This episode of the Global Franchise Podcast is brought to you by Expense Reduction Analysts, delivering cost optimization solutions to help international business survive and thrive. For more information, visit ExpenseReduction.com. We've spoken to many fitness brands throughout the year about the trials and tribulations brought about by the pandemic, but none of those had the ingrained branding awareness that UFC Gym brings to the table. Co-founded by President Adam Sedlak just over a decade ago, UFC Gym offers multiple fitness centre build-outs to cater to varying levels of investment with the consistent theme being that each is adorned with recognizable UFC branding and themed around the organization's globally popular MMA workouts. On this episode of the podcast, we speak with Adam about the benefits that come with franchising an already established brand, how UFC Gym is fighting for the rights of fitness centers in California, and how not aiming to be the lowest price club in town pays off. Hi Adam, how are you doing today?
1: i'm well karen good to be here
0: yeah no thank you very much for joining us today i'm glad to hear you're doing good um so as i touched on up top uh ufc gym has been has recently uh, backed the california fitness alliance's lawsuit against the um health club restrictions in california uh would you be able to talk a little about what the what ufc gym's current um reopening looks like
1: yeah you bet listen um the pandemic has definitely created uncharted waters for many. And, you know, we, as we look at this, we have the benefit of globalizing and and reviewing it from a global perspective and understand what each country, um, you know, what they have to deal with their adversity and so forth. And then obviously domestically, we're very close to it because we live it every day. And as you take a look at how every uh, government has dealt with the pandemic certainly it's it's incredibly unique and 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 different some better than others. You take a look at countries like australia and new zealand um, you know there's some stories that can be that can be read that they've done a very good job. You take a look at, at the u s there's some states that have done a fantastic job while others have not and you know when when, uh, when you look at california specifically and and you look at you know how uh, the cards that have been dealt of how The government is dealing with the um, the pandemic. um, Unfortunately, it's been uh, we've been put in the position of a lack of a lot of inconsistency, and and it's been troublesome for a lot of operators uh, inside not only the fitness industry but but others as well. So, um, you know, we 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 part of a organization called the California Fitness Alliance, which really brings the all of the major fitness organizations together as one, and it allows us to have have a deeper voice um, with the people that make the decisions, both at the government uh, state level and the county level.
0: Right. Okay. And looking ahead to a post, I was gonna say post pandemic, but I suppose it's more accurate, rather like post vaccine world, whether that's 2021 or onwards. um, Do you think that there'll be a return to what a lot of people are calling, you know, normal operation? Or do you think that especially the fitness industry of 2021, or whenever that is, um, will be really irrevocably changed from what, we previously knew before the pandemic took hold of everything.
1: Yeah. I mean, listen, this is obviously incredibly subjective and it depends on what lens you're looking through. Sure. Um, my, my personal opinion is that, um, people are emotional and, and as you, as you deal with the pandemic, certainly, There's going to be added sensitivities that will resonate um, even post-vaccine, and it will take some time. It'll take. It'll be a journey to um, get to the destination where life feels uh, normal once again. Uh, But we are looking at the glass. Very half full, and and we think providing um, there's good awareness and understanding of one another, and we collaborate with our consumers and our franchisees in a way um, that can show people how to work out and train in a in a safe manner, and then provide a value proposition that is consistent um, brand wide. That that from a from a fitness perspective, uh, normality will once again uh, be presented to us, and and uh, it, we're going to be better as an industry. Industry because of it
0: right okay and as a, a bit of a retrospective you um you co-founded ufc gym just over 10 years ago back uh, back in 2009 um and uh, would you be able to talk a little about how consumer expectations of fitness have kind of shifted in that period and how the ufc gym as a brand has evolved with that um evolution of consumer expectations and how they approach fitness as an industry
1: yeah it's a good question karen you know um so much i mean it seems like just Yesterday, that we that we founded UFC Gym, but yet it's over a decade ago, and it's uh, it's amazing to watch how the industry industry has innovated and adapted. And let's face it, like any industry, you have to be adaptable. And so when we entered the space in really beginning of two thousand nine, you know, fitness was very what I would call traditional based. It was pushing weights, and it was you know doing some group fitness classes here and there. It really had not identified what is great about UFC Gym, which is community-based fitness, and from community-based fitness, what you saw was almost um, an entire industry emerge from the traditional fitness space. And so, when you look at how UFC Gym came about, and you know, we we started with um, some. Some big locations, and we also diversified into the smaller footprint and more of the boutique style. And we prefer the more bo- the larger boutiques. Um, you you saw how fitness uh, community and 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 the the value proposition and expectation of the consumer started to shift. And so over the next ten year period, um, you saw the obvious increase of all sorts of proposition products that allowed people to fulfill whatever value proposition position they looked for. And, and people started looking for, hey, if you love boxing, let's, let's do something and be focused on boxing. If you loved the CrossFit mentality, let's be CrossFit focused. If you love um, doing uh, Zumba and and other types of classes, let's be focused around those classes. And what UFC Gym really tried to do was bring that diversification into our four walls to be able to have the consumer take advantage of what's great about boutique fitness uh, and and as, as boutique started to innovate and still intersect that with what's great about traditional fitness with things like weights and cardiovascular equipment and so forth. And so as the industry continues to adapt and evolve, we saw a huge increase in, in, in um, number of stores and footprints around boutiques. And I think as we get on the other side of the pandemic, it's going to somewhat um, um, you know, look to uh, reverse that trajectory and, and potentially um, not be as boutique heavy or diversified in boutique value propositions, but be more about uh, making sure that the process and products that are provided to the consumer base uh, going forward. Can really answer the need of being able to offer multiple value propositions within four walls.
0: Sure, yeah, and just on the topic of um, boutique offerings, we've from previous conversations we've had with fitness experts and fitness CEOs, um, it seems like boutique fitness may really struggle to fully return to the levels that it was, as you say, before the pandemic. You know, it's going to be a bit of a shift, um, and obviously, UFC gym isn't that; it's much more of a premium offering. Um, but what's kind of your take on this? You know, the divide between boutique and big box premium fitness gyms. Do you think the boutique is showing now that it is kind of a fad or is it still going to be in the background? It just won't have as much of a a focus.
1: Yeah, it's a great question. I think that there is space and room for everybody. And I think those boutiques that have a great operating process and are well established in the space and providing you know, they can diversify and adapt, I think that they'll be okay. And and I think, uh, in my opinion, um, gyms that are of size, I think they'll be okay. And I think gyms of mid-box or mid-size will will be okay. I think it really uh, is around how you're set up organizationally. I do think the consumer, you know, over the next two to three years, is gonna be focused on being able to have the opportunity to take multiple offerings in one space versus being one dimensional. And so as you think about those boutiques that maybe just stood for one brand proposition, I think it, you know, there 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 still be some that that prosper and that will be okay. But I think a lot of people will start looking for uh, multiple value propositions within four walls to not only make their dollar um, go a little bit, uh, uh, be able to extend uh, a little bit longer, but also to provide the consumer more interest and variation without having costs associated with that.
0: Yeah, and uh, UFC Gym, of course, has quite a a lot of variation because from a franchisee perspective, you guys offer. Three models, really, varying in offering size and investment price. Um, could you kind of run me through what those three are? Outline, you know, what each of them offer, um, but then also how each appeals to a unique kind of entrepreneur looking to get into the fitness industry.
1: Listen, when you're when you're in the industry, any service industry for that matter, fit, fitness is what I would call a very emotional space and and really to be able to become replicatable and duplicatable uh, and have a good operating model, we, we need to make sure there's some specific things that are um, centralized or what what I would call our North Star, right? So we, need, we, we really made sure as we were creating these three models that we had the right people in place that, that were empathetic and had a high level of emotional intelligence, which by the way, in my opinion, is more important than IQ in today's world, isn't it? Because uh, the, the game that we play now is can you get the best talent within your four walls Mm. and then based on that we wanted to make sure that people were paid correctly and were incentivized correctly around the customer um, retention and the ability to make sure that customers um, were brand ambassadors of the brand. After you establish people and pay, then it's about really your product and and what is your value proposition and what is your environmental um, feeling within the four walls and, and how can you make that product replicatable. And once you do that, Can you create a presentation off the product to be able to not only uh, intersect that with potential franchisees, but then also make sure the customers understand your value proposition in a very simple way. Then you you understand, understanding your value proposition and what you have to offer. Let's just say in UFC gym's case, we have boxing, kickboxing, Brazilian jiu jitsu, uh, hit daily ultimate training, group fitness classes, incredible equipment you're able to then establish your price point. Uh, And then once you have that, you now have the model that you're able to go out and execute off of it, but you need to make sure a process is in place. And so at UFC Gym, we have things like a great CRM system, FranConnect, uh, at you know the app and digital platform, the digital footprint that we 've established connects not only domestic organization with uh international organization to put us in a very good spot, which then extends into your models right so in in our in u f c gym's models we have we have three very specific clean models one is in the boutique space, which is a larger boutique typically between uh three four hundred square meters and and these uh boutique facilities are um very good at offering boxing, kickboxing and hit classes. So really three types of modalities to speak to um, consumers that like uh, more of the high intense workout that you would find in your typical boutique. but we did we chose to go a little bit larger in, in size to be able to diversify our offerings to make sure that the consumer would stay interested in the brand because I think sometimes what boutiques that are one-dimensional can fall into is that people just unfortunately get bored. They like the workout but they're looking for different offerings to keep them interested and motivated in the space. Mm. And then we, and then we got into our middle box, which is more like a thousand square meters. And, and, and that, and that box is uh, uh, what you would have, you know, three or four different uh, class offerings, but you would also add some machines and free weights and, and cardiovascular equipment to speak to the consumer that loves to take classes that loves to be part of that community, but also sometimes that just want to do a great workout and they want to, they want to lift weights. And, and, and as we know, resistance training is so important for bone density and, and other things that can keep consumers healthy and, and obviously continue to improve immune systems, especially during these, these uh, uncharted uh, times that we're going through. And then, of course, our, our last model is our signature model. And, and these, these can be 4,000 square meters. We have, a, we have a club as much as 15,000 square meters, actually, in Pakistan. Um, and these, these clubs are the superstores of uh, fitness gyms meaning that the amount of offerings and value propositions are incredible from you know having up to 600 classes per month so we have literally you it feels like you have five or six studios within within one big um, space uh, which creates a very unique environment because when you're standing in the middle of the gym and you see a kids program happening kids classes happening with uh, a body pump class with boxing with kickboxing with uh, a hit class happening in the facility and and, and you also have jiu-jitsu and everybody running around uh the facility at 6 p.m um during a prime time evening there is no experience like that on planet earth and so those are the three offerings and that's kind of an example of how we've created our north star to make sure that those offerings can be replicatable and duplicatable
0: yeah so there's a lot of variety to the ufc gym model but by the sounds of it you know no expense has been spared each of the models has a lot of thought behind it making them you know an attractive investment opportunity for a, a franchisee um Obviously, UFC gym has quite a strong US presence. Um, but you also have a lot of, as you mentioned, there. you know, you got places like Pakistan, Australia, Canada, China, the UK. Um, I was curious whether the UFC brand uh, has much of a draw has as much of a draw worldwide as it does in the US in these other countries? Or are there any kind of different avenues you've had to target to um, bring the brand to new markets like that?
1: No, I mean, what, what's great about the UFC brand and really UFC gym brand is that it has an incredible global proposition where people understand what it is, who we are and and what we're about. And and listen, the UFC has done a great job for decades establishing the brand. And we've been lucky enough to be handed that baton to be able to extend the brand into lifestyle experience. And, And by extension, it's been, absolutely fantastic and we're you know not not only are we developing currently in 37 plus countries today um but you know we are we have never been busier than we are right now um which sounds strange during a pandemic but the fact is is that we're seeing more interest we're going to probably open more gyms in the next four to five months than any stretch any four-month stretch in the history of our organization so the presentation representation of the brand has been, has been somewhat simple. Uh, it's been very popular as we've been launching in different countries. As an example, in the UK, we have, we have, uh, we have uh, two sites that are open, but they're in process of developing and constructing 106 locations over the next seven and a half years or so with, with probably four locations happening in the next six to eight months. And, and they're going to begin their franchise route. So that's, that we're, we're seeing that whether you're in China, Australia, Uh, or whatever country that we're in, we're seeing uh, incredible attraction to the brand and, and it's something that we're very proud of.
0: Sure, no, it's really great to hear. Um, from a a consumer side, uh, you touched on earlier that, you know, sometimes you'd have children running around the UFC gym. And of course, UFC Gym as a concept is kind of a bit of a pioneer in the fitness space where as well as classes for men and women, you offer um children focused sessions. Um and I was curious what kind of led to that being included as part of the brand's offering and then what how that's been received from consumers, you know, the more full family approach. Well,
1: yeah, you know, we when we started this brand UFC Gym, it was We did a lot of research around UFC athletes and how they prepare for fights and how they really have communities around them to make them better. And what we found is that, you know, specifically around the UFC athlete training in all these different disciplines like boxing, jujitsu, and performance, and and nutrition, and not even a shrink, you had all these great coaches that would make this athlete the best version of themselves when they prepared for a fight. But what we also saw was an interesting dynamic around families, that all these coaches, and these athletes would want to extend their community to their family. And and as we started to um, initially construct the brand, we thought that, and and we looked at what fitness was standing for, you know, in uh, uh, 10 years ago, we we felt it was very adult centric and there was never really a position where you could bring kids in, uh, mom and dad in, where people could walk in those doors together, have an incredible fitness experience together and then leave feeling that much better. And so we knew early on that that was something that was going to be very important to us and that we wanted uh, to provide a place for kids to go that where they wouldn't just sit down and be sedentary, but a place where they could actually learn something, where they could be active, they could be fit, and they could be part of a community. And then when it's appropriate, come together with mom and dad and actually work out together uh, in 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 defined circumstances. And so um, you know, we're very proud of that. The kids program, I think it, it, it works well with our um, retention of the brand as well because as kids uh, uh, get older, they tend to stay members. And, and as they go from, you know, joining the club at six years of age, that at 12 or 13, they then become their own members inside the facilities and, and uh, it works out really well. So, uh, yeah, the kids programs continue to expand and grow and the diversification of the offerings uh, continues to be one of our uh, key focus points in the organization.
0: Sure, yeah, and uh, and the last thing I wanted to ask you about, Adam, is just that you've you've spoken in the past about how UFC Gym isn't looking to necessarily be the the lowest price club in town, but instead you want to offer the deepest value proposition. And we've touched on a lot of um, how that comes about throughout this conversation. But how do you overall ensure that value is provided to both the franchisee and also the client um, across the entire franchise portfolio? So whether you're in a, a boutique center in the US or whether you're in you know a signature center in China how is that remain how does that remain consistent
1: yeah you know listen we as a industry have a job to all come together let's just argue in us fitness penetration is about 23 or 24% of people that are actively uh, fit inside of a facility and if you extend that globally there's countries as low as 0.1% of their population exercising and there's countries that you know can be you know close to 20% in countries like the uk or or australia and and so we as a industry have a job to do. Our competition is not against each other. Our competition is to make sure that we can engage consumers into the space and make sure that they have a place that they can become the best version of themselves and extend their life. But more importantly, live a, a much healthier lifestyle. And so, as you look at the pricing, there, there's different strategies there. Now, I, I do not believe in, in. I'm not a big fan of, of low cost facilities. Not to say that it's a bad product or it's a it's a bad brand position uh, because it certainly is. there. I mean, you got many low cost players that do a fantastic job in what they offer, but but it's a low labor model. And so it's a model that says, hey, let's open up, let's charge 10 US dollars per month, hypothetically. Uh, let's provide them a, a good facility where they can come in and work out and train. The problem that I see or the concern that I have is that the number one health enemy is procrastination. If people lack results, they stop and they cancel their membership and it, they actually go back to where they were before. Um, what I believe in is, is the position to charge a little bit more, offer a more premium experience where you have world-class coaches and trainers and operational team members that can really emotionally connect to the consumer base that not only provides them more service and, uh, the ability to learn more and to, uh, um, Retain at a at a at a much um, longer lifetime value, but they, they do that through the results and the services that they get. And yes, it's going to be higher price because our labor is going to be a lot a lot higher. It's going to be increased. Yes, it's going to be higher price because we're going to instead of offering. 10 or 11 classes a week, we're going to offer 600 plus classes per month. And so, uh, what we, what we believe in, in our DNA is to allow customers and consumers to pick their journey, to pick their destination, to pick their passion, and then make sure that we fulfill that opportunity with the right type of, um, um, coaches and instructors and classes, uh, so they can not only retain and and stay, um, but also make sure that they can maximize their results, which will allow that for, through those achievements will allow them to stay motivated to, to, to stay down the path of exercise.
0: Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I'm definitely guilty of, you know, you sort of put it off because uh, what's the point? Whereas if you've got, a uh, you know, dedicated coaches, this system set up that you guys have, you get those results much, much more efficiently. Um, well, thanks very much for your time today, Adam. It's been really great talking to you about UFC and, uh, and yeah, very excited to see what's next for the brand new markets or just developing in your in your current ones,
1: we appreciate you uh, you having me and uh, and let's, good luck to everybody getting through this pandemic. But we will get to the other side and we'll be better because of it.
0: Adam's points about the fitness industry having a responsibility to encourage consumers to engage with working out is something that I'm sure hits home for a lot of brands. And I'd imagine that the the North Star guiding several of fitness franchising's front runners isn't overly different from the one that guides UFC gym. After all, putting the consumer's needs at the forefront of your strategy is a really surefire way to build positive experiences and retain clients. The child-focused classes on offer by the brand really seem to um, exemplify the methodology used to grow UFC Gym, that is considering the market holistically and adapting the model both with the times but also with the changing needs of gym goers. We'd be interested to hear your thoughts on this. How has your brand ensured a broad appeal and how has it paid off in the long run? Make sure to let us know.
1: If you like the podcast, subscribe and recommend it to your friends and colleagues. Or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your pods. To keep up to date with franchise news and have it put into context by the global franchise experts, subscribe to the magazine, hit us up at globalfranchisemagazine.com and follow us on Twitter, Facebook and LinkedIn today.